Hello, welcome to Under the Skin with me, Russell Brand. Jenny May Finn is here. In a minute, we're going to be talking to Crystal Ball off of, uh, like, she used to be on the hill, now she's on breaking points with that Giza saga. And Jenny. And Jenny. Jen says that they perviously <laughs> hosted a show on the hill, but they previously hosted it. She also does Crystal and Kyle, and they were talking about me on that the other day. And friends. I don't know. Crystal, Kyle and friends. Uh, they've got friends, have they? What's the name of the podcast? I don't know. It's just a geezer called Crystal and Carl. Some of their know. friends. I don't know. But a couple of little guys that were their friends. Like a couple of puppety guys. Crystal, Carl and friends it was called. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah. What a weird thing. Anyway, they're talking about old Russ and they were saying the nicest of things. Yeah? What are you going to say back? I just thought, like, thanks, you know. Am I on that? Is that what I'm on in a minute? Yeah. Oh, I'm the friend? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Now that Under the Skin is on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review there. It helps us and we'll read them out. A good review, please, not bad ones, obviously. If you'd like to listen to the rest of this podcast and all of my weekly Under the Skin podcasts, all you have to do is subscribe to Luminary on the Apple Podcasts or download the Luminary app. Also, I have a brand new meditation podcast called Above the Noise Out Now. Right, the bit we've chose is uh, where Crystal says how the left and right are both complicit in the polarisation that we're currently seeing, that we should hate each other less and hate the elites more, although I don't agree with hate at all, really, but... Trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category is not no, a successful yeah, route. Yes, that's, that's, that's exactly right. We're in this era where it turns out we were never the boss. It doesn't look like an ideology. What's beneath the surface of people we admire, of the ideas that define our time, the history we are told? And welcome to Russell Brand. Under the skin. I feel like, um, like even post-Trump, there's been no humility on the left, no humility in the liberal left media, no acknowledgement. And like where, you know, in right-wing populism, it is acceptable to demonise immigrants in left-wing... I don't know if it's necessarily populism. It's sort of like that's this neoliberalist establishment authoritarianism. It's acceptable to vilify and demonise the working class, in particular yeah. the white working class. And in a sense, Trump was the catalyst that made that demonisation kind of really ramp up, I feel. I think it's... It's even more than acceptable. It's almost a central organizing principle mm. of that type of neoliberal thought. You know, the mantra of Sagar and I show breaking points is that our goal is to hate each other less and hate the elites more. So it's not some like kumbaya, we love each other, you know, everything's great and there's there's no problems. We all just need to get along. It's in favor of a divisive politics, but where you understand who the true sort of um, criminals are uh, in the country and the reason why uh, things are the way that they are. So yeah, I think that the partisan media, whether it's Fox News on the right, whether it's CNN and MSNBC uh, in the liberal space, they love a story that's all about uh, caricaturing and demonizing people who have a different ideology or a different lifestyle than you do. So if you turn over to CNN, you might hear a story about how some moron didn't get vaccinated and now they're dead. And it's this disgusting cheerleading of, you know, like celebration that someone didn't go and get the vaccine, which sure they should have done to protect themselves. But now you think that the proper response to that is to celebrate their death. And that's grotesque. 
And then, you know, in right-wing media on Fox News, you hear a similar sort of existentialism about how critical race theory is going to destroy your community and brainwash your kid and these same sorts of like making it that the, th- the greatest threat to yourself and your life and your family is not climate change. It's not the banks. It's not political elites. It's not natural disasters. It's your neighbor who happens to maybe think differently than you do. So there's a lot of profit to be made off of that. And um, Matt Taibbi, who wrote the book, book Hating, he really lays out this whole sort of structure of media where you used to have the Cold War. That was great ratings justification. You had a clear enemy. That was great. You could get people scared and freaked down about the communists coming. Then you had the war on terror. And now oh, it's the it's the Muslims who are, they're the really bad guys. And that was kind of like this, you know, thing that they could get people to freak down about and continue to turn on their TVs to watch and learn about, quote unquote, learn about. Um, and once that kind of stopped working, then the enemy was each other. You know, then it was your neighbor who's not getting vaccinated or who has the Black Lives Matter flag on their lawn. Then that became the real enemy. And, you know, it's the most terrifying enemy of all because we're everywhere, right? You're, you're people to fear all over and the threat is existential and these people are destroying the country. So that's what these networks and mainstream media have settled on as, as the villain. And it's truly destroying the country. I mean, it's creating this total sectarianism, um, justifying political violence. It's, you know, creating the situation where people just don't even see each other as in the same project together, ultimately. And most importantly, it allows them to cover for their own crimes and failings and corruption so that, you know, you never see like, oh, well, how did we end up with, you know, the, the oxy crisis and these mass addictions crisis. Let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about the way that both parties were complicit in enabling big pharma over generations. Let's instead talk about your neighbor who may think differently than you. God, that's really cool. Um, the way you describe it, not the situation itself, which let's face it is abhorrent. Do you think that uh, this, um, stagnation and this uh, the intransigence of ongoing conflict and ongoing division is compounded by the fact that there is no inspiring political vision present anywhere and in fact to our the earlier part of our conversation that we're almost out of what you would call and i would have to kind of sort of on one level agree out of practice matism you would necessarily advance political change through the sort of tunnels or funnels or conduits of um existing um parliamentary or or, sorry congressional or whatever you call it in your country democracy and i feel like i've been feeling this for a while that what is required is a kind of relibidinization, a revivification, a resacralization of the political space. The kind of like managerial technocratic neutering that took place probably, at least I've heard cleverer people than me say, as a, res- as a response to fascism and communism that politics became kind of nullified managerial protect protectorial let's just do it no one's got a vision no one's saying anything bold you know like with regard to the objectives of 
Black Lives Matter, the objectives of which I would support, integrated, equal, no, anti-racist, all of those things are kind of, that's politically obviously, I, I guess I'm, I guess it's obvious, that's where I would stand. But anything that can be squeezed through the uh, machine of mainstream media, I become immediately dubious about. You know, same with LGBT, LGBTQ issues, plus issues. Like if, 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 if like, uh, you know, the CIA can change their logo to represent that flag, then that it's not change is not going to come from that direction. Something that's peculiar that's happened sort of around Trump, post Trump still now is that the right provide the more radical voice. The right provides the more anti-establishment rhetoric. I, of course, am vehemently opposed to the, where most people I've spoken to on the right when it comes to sort of civil rights and immigration and all, all of those kind of issues. But when it comes to like anti-establishmentism and or as, as you would say with your show with Saga, anti-elites, like that's where I feel like the stronger rhetoric is coming from, at least from the mainstream established left. You're not getting, it's, it's become puritanical authoritarianism, devoid of kind of um, spirituality, of like care, nurture, other than the most, the kind of insipid, yeah. kind of sentimentalist, rootless, um, performative morality. Um, I feel that what is required is a... I've been thinking about this is well, you know specifically what I've been thinking about is anarchism and and left libertarianism the idea of individual freedom and empowered community meaningfully empowered community meaning the ability to control the life of the members of your community without the intervention of the state and without the ubiquitous control of big business. I suppose the challenge that that presents is if you don't have a centralised state authority, how do you challenge corporate authority? But at the moment, the state doesn't do that anyway. It supports it. So, you know, the, so I wonder what you think about that. Do you think that what's required is a bolder vision? And do you think those bolder visions are sort of metered, controlled, curtailed as a result of like, you know, the events of the last century? Um. Yes. And I think, I mean, the Cold War was particularly effective for stifling any kind of um, debate, but it's not just the Cold War. You know, I was actually just reading, um, I don't know if you know the the history of the mine wars um, that happened in the early 1900s in West Virginia. Um, there was a, a bloody battle for mine workers who were working in, you know, abhorrent, basically indentured servitude, um, dangerous, low paid having to live in company towns and only get paid in script. I mean, just the worst conditions you can possibly imagine. So there was a, a bloody uprising um, that was quashed ultimately by federal government troops where lives were lost in order to try to win the right to unionize. And, you know, ultimately in the end, they were successful in being able to, to win a union and win some better working conditions and, and higher wages and, and those sorts of of rights were ultimately won in the end. But that history, uh, which is a very proud history of white and black and immigrant workers coming together and fighting for their own rights has been completely erased from even West Virginia textbooks. There was actually a law that was passed that for decades prohibited the teaching of this you know, incredibly important history. So, you know, it sounds like conspiracy theory, but there have been incredibly explicit and active propaganda campaigns to make sure 
that everybody stayed in line, that people didn't cause trouble the way that those um, coal miners caused trouble uh, back in that era to erase that part, to tell you that, you know, that's not possible, that that's not a good thing, that none of that happened so that you feel like the only options available to you are within these really narrow confines, effectively, you know, the right version of neoliberalism and the left version of neoliberalism. That's been extraordinarily successful. But I think that some of those, um, some of the success of that propaganda war is starting to wane, which is why you see you know, people flocking to podcasts like yours, people flocking to to shows like ours, people flocking to other alternative outlets, because they feel like there's this whole world outside of what's being spoon fed to them that they want to explore, that they want to think about, that they want to ask questions about, that they want to access. So the hopeful part of me thinks that, you know, those methods of extreme control, the effectiveness of them are starting to wane. I believe we're in a real in-between time right now. Um, and I don't actually, you mentioned Steve Bannon and he said, you know, the only options are populism. It's only a question of whether it's populist left or populist right. I don't know that I agree that that's the case. I see the options as either you can have actual democracy of the talk that you, type that you're talking about where people truly have a stake in the affairs in their community and their country, or you can have the direction that we've been heading in for decades now, which is increasing authoritarianism and increasing police state, where dissent is, you know, rather than welcoming dissent, let's have a debate of ideas and exchange. Let's see who's got the better ideas and allow them to win out in a free marketplace. It's no, we're going to censor you. We're going to just make it so you can't even say that, or we can't even allow that point of view. Um, you see it, you know, in terms of the the physical demilitarization of police departments throughout the United States and the actual crackdowns that we've seen, especially with regards to the Black Lives Matter movement and the aggressive militarized response that they were met with. You see it with the ever expanding um, surveillance state, you know, that Edward Snowden helped to expose um, that has just continued to grow and grow and grow unabated. I think you have a lot of people who feel very uncertain and very scared about what the future is going to hold for themselves and for their family. I think you see people who, you know, genuinely saw the Trump movement as something extraordinarily terrifying, where these old, ugly ideas that we felt like maybe we're starting to kind of put behind us were brought back into the mainstream. And the response, the freak out to that, and the response to that has been, we're just going to clamp down. We're not going to allow any of these, like anything that's outside of this narrow confines, we don't want to hear about whatsoever. And so to me, those are really the two possible directions that things go in. You either go in a direction where you actually trust people, you believe in the basic decency of people, you believe in their ability to have a say in the affairs of the nation, or you have increasing authoritarianism, increasing police state crackdowns, um, so far we can see the path that we've been on, but I really think those are kind of the two only choices available. If you're enjoying this conversation, join me over at Luminary on Apple Podcasts for the rest of our discussion and for all the latest episodes of Under the Skin.